0: The views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. So you're an astrophysicist? Amongst other things.
1: I also work for SETI. Ah.
2: You're a believer.
1: I think that it's narrow minded to discount the possibility of life outside of this solar system, yes. Sir. Mm. So you've decided it's hard to ignore the laws of probability uh, except with no evidence all you're left with is your faith in the idea men are probably nearer the central truth in their superstitions than in their science
0: Thorough. but when superstitions become convictions that only leads to fanaticism
2: good morning london it is Thursday, August 16. I'm Bob Metz and this is just right on chRw 94.9 FM where we will be with you from now until noon. No no, not right wing just right.
1: Fade into colour, colour into black and white Under the everything will be
2: alright. Welcome to, to to the show today very hot and humid. Thursday for us. Uh, You can call if you'd like to call in on the show today, 519-661-3600 if you want to join in on the conversation, or email us at chrw at gmail.com if you are listening to us online or hearing us on another medium. By all means, uh, we like to hear from you and hear what you have to say. Today, a little bit something different, I have a guest, close friend of mine, and a political compatriot no doubt uh, and that is uh, Paul McKeever who happens to be the leader of the Freedom Party of Ontario the same party you hear me talking about good morning Paul how are you morning Bob how are you doing not too bad Paul I know you're uh, you're not a stranger to London you London you, on your way here you said you felt very much at home
3: oh, yes indeed and, I I in fact lived right in the area uh, having attended uh UWO from about 1989 to 95
2: that's true you know I'm looking at your uh, at your uh, outline here, and I'm going, you know, you you have not just one university degree, not two, but three. Is that right?
3: <laughs> Almost four, actually. Well, I, I did, uh, after spending some time in, P- in Peterborough doing my undergrad, I came here and did a master's in psychology and did a year of PhD before switching to law. So, yeah.
2: Well, you know, it's it's I guess so you've you had your honors uh bachelor of science at, at Trent University, I understand, is that correct? That's right. Yeah. And then here at the University of Western Ontario, that's where you got uh, your master's degree in psychology and your law degree correct. at Western yeah. Law School. Well, I think with those things in mind, um perhaps I can, you know, pick at your mind for some of that expertise in those areas <laughs> for the subject matter we're going to uh you know, go out on today, if we're going out on a limb here. You know, we could have talked about a number of issues. You might think we're going to talk about the usual political stuff you've heard all the time, but we're actually going in a slightly different direction. I gave uh, Paul sort of an option, almost, of what he wanted to talk about today. And uh, no, he didn't want to talk about specific issues here and there, or even the provincial election, which is just coming up and around the corner. But what seems to be on top of his mind these days seems to be, how should political and public issues be decided or resolved? And as I put the question last week, it was a matter of, I guess, faith consensus or reason or a combination, or, or is it pragmatism? Is it something else? And why would these things be so foremost in your mind?
3: Um, Well, Because I know you deal with these issues all the time. Yeah, that's it. I mean, um, obviously, since 9-11, there's been a lot of focus on uh, the role of religion and its relation to government, both because of, um, you know, various um, communities in Canada and the United States who are concerned that uh, because some terrorists uh, share their religion, uh, that they might be targeted here at, at home having had the same religion, they might be treated as though they're terrorists. At the same time, we have, in, especially in the United States, uh, a president who's openly identified very strongly with a, uh, a faith, in particular uh, Christianity. And uh, some would say that some of his policies and, and laws that he'd like, he'd like to introduce uh, are you know, inspired by that uh, faith rather than uh, inspired by things like um, you know, the needs of science and et cetera. Now, is this a problem? Does this
2: create a problem? Like, uh, why would it? Why would it even be a consideration? Isn't aren't we a tolerant society? Don't we believe in all faiths and all beliefs and all sorts of things like that? Isn't that really what Western society is all about?
3: Yeah, I, I think it's true that uh, you know the hallmark of the West is its ability to uh, allow people to live side by side in peace, uh, believing whatever they want to believe. But the way we've achieved that has not been by um, taking religious belief and basing laws upon it rather uh, what we've done is very carefully in the west uh, tried to make sure that uh, you know religious uh, beliefs uh, beliefs based on faith but not on uh, observable fact don't enter into the process of lawmaking so in other words you know lawmaking is a very earthly affair religion is a very if you want to call it heavenly affair i i don't personally believe in a heaven but if you want to think of it as an otherworldly affair and I think that really relates back to, um, you know, the, the comment even by Jesus at one point was, uh, you know, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, render unto God that which is God's. And I think, you know, I think it was Lord Acton who said, well, by saying that, uh, Jesus had effectively drawn the line between state and church. And that's what allowed the, the West really to uh, thrive when other countries in the world were suffering under religious rule.
2: Well, you know, I'm reminded uh, back when I was doing left, right, and center with Jim Chapman way back when, he once asked me on the air, he said, uh, how do I feel about the word God being in the preamble to the Constitution, right? And uh, I never brought up anything about my personal beliefs because uh, uh, my idea of God is not a literal one, but I don't object to the to the concept in a, in a more of an abstract, symbolic way. And my answer to Jim at the time, and tell me what you think of this, I said that I don't object to the word being there, because to me implied in that is that our, quote, God-given rights, end quote, are not derived from the permission or or you know, substance of other people. I thought that was sort of symbolically what that meant. And, of course, I'm, I'm also a little naive in my... Uh, Beliefs in religion, I was uh, indoctrinated in the Catholic Church. I grew up with uh, not a literal belief in a lot of things. I'm only beginning to realize I guess since nine eleven that some people take it quite literally um, is my viewpoint on that wrong? Am I taking the wrong point of view? Should I stop thinking about it that way? do you think or is there a danger in that well I, or is it okay as long as we you know put quote religion in its place where it belongs and put Reason and in its place, are the two even in any way, and religion, by the way, is a much broader concept. We're not just talking about religion. I know we're going to get into other issues from global warming on down, but um, how how would you approach
3: that with the God? Well, uh, you know, taking that idea that there's a sphere that's for the the state and a sphere that's for religion, um, you know... It's, it's clearly the case that you should be able to believe whatever you want to believe I mean if you want to believe that leprechauns control earth from from the planet uh, Pluto you're you should be free to do so to say say that's what you believe to advocate it to try and encourage other people to believe the same thing um, but uh, the line is you know where that kind of belief uh, inspires lawmaking so if you believed uh did I say leprechauns? <laughs> if you said it was a leprechaun on Saturn controlling things on Earth, uh, you certainly want the, you wouldn't want the government to be getting, making laws uh, in accordance with um, what was allegedly the commandments of a leprechaun sitting on satin, I, because there are lots of people. I mean, when you start to make laws based on the needs of the leprechaunians, if you want to call it that, at the same time, you're most likely going to lead into violations of everyone else's religious beliefs. You cannot help but trot upon other people's religious beliefs as soon as you start making religious belief a part of government lawmaking. So um, your question, though, was about the use of God in relation to the Constitution. right. And there, I think uh, that was that was actually um, added later on. I remember there was a comment, and I don't recall uh, who, he was re- who he was responding to, but the prime minister at the time, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, uh, didn't see any need to to say anything about God in the constitution, figuring I think that uh, God really didn't care if he was mentioned or not. I mean, he was a, he was a Catholic, I think, um, but he didn't see any point in mixing religion with with uh, law, and it was because of the ins- insistence of some in the uh, Parliament that that had to be introduced to uh, the Canada Act. In particular, I think it was the, the Charter. But um,
2: So would you say that in many ways, our law, many of our laws today have been made, quote, by the leprechaunians, if you want to put it that way?
3: Well, uh, there's, there's certainly a tendency, especially since the, uh, the religious right uh, organized itself uh, as such, in other words, as soon as religious people realized that they could vote as a bloc, that they could um, influence one party's um, policies greatly, I think that example from the U.S. Is, has um, been mimicked elsewhere, in particular in Canada. And so we're seeing right now, for example, a Conservative Party of Canada that is more religious than any that it's ever preceded it, uh, at least more openly religious. I understand that um, you know they've been trying to silence those within the party who are most vocal about religion. Uh, you know the Scott reads, and uh, there was another uh, person from Eastern Ontario. But um, I think the fact of the matter is that that faith guides the decision making of a lot of people, uh, who especially well, on the. If that's true,
2: if that's true, then why silence it? If it's if it if if the public has such a religious bent, is it not an asset to a party to be seen as having some religious background? Um, I
3: think certainly as a, as an electoral uh, thing. It's uh, useful to that party to openly advocate itself as being religious. I think that's what the Conservative Party largely is. And I think it uh, would be disingenuous to suggest it isn't, that it's somehow a secular party. It's not. Uh, It's it's, uh, doing its best to remain secular in terms of how it governs Canada. But um, I think the fact of the matter is that the party itself is made up of people of varying faiths. Uh, not all of them. I, I think some well, of them are not. But we could uh,
2: say that about Freedom Party, too, couldn't we? There absolutely. There are people in this party that are varying faiths. We've had candidates of varying faiths. Um, so how are those things reconciled? What's the common ground?
3: I think the common ground is, as I say, a recognition that whatever your beliefs are, that's fine, uh, but that government decision-making should not be based on uh, obedience to an alleged commandment by somebody's god, because at, at that point freedoms get trod upon, and even freedom of of religion gets trod upon.
2: Uh, I'm going to get back to some more specific terms. We're going to come actually to like hardcore definitions shortly, but I don't want to get to that quite yet. Um, I, you know, when, when I sort of I, I really started getting into studying religion as a consequence of of 9-11 because you know you gotta stuff like that starts happening you better start understanding what the driving forces are behind it and it was really then that I started looking at it in the sense of uh, how literally some people take a a lot of their beliefs but as I uh, studied it through history you know a historical view of religion rather than a faith-based view or a religious view from one religious denominations point of view and tell me if you think this is way off target or way off center base. But I've kind of been led to one broad conclusion about religion, and that is that religion and politics are almost one and the same thing historically, and and come from the same seed, if you will. Um, I was raised, for example, I raised, I say, indoctrinated in the Roman Catholic faith, and and of course, Roman Catholic. If you look at even the definition of the word, what does it mean? It has nothing to do with Christianity, per se. It's about uh, Catholic means universal, and we're talking about Roman. So we're really talking about, uh, you know, Roman Catholic equals uh, universal Roman law, like the basics of, of Roman law as it was laid down back at the time of Constantine. In the Council of Nicaea in 325 a d when uh, the actual emperor of Rome, that was where they decided and invent and created the Holy Roman Empire, where Christ was declared divine, and that there would only be one God rather than many. And it seems to me that in light of this and it was a, it's an, an exquisitely and, and meticulously uh, how shall we put it um, documented event, like many people. Right. Uh, I, I, the historians will tell you this thing is like 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 they had uh, CNN cameras there. That's how detailed it was. Sure. And yet, despite that historical accuracy of that event and the fact that I don't see anybody denying it, you still. I mean, there it is. It's invented, and yet people take it literally today. Now, am I looking at that wrong? Am I missing some key point about?
3: Uh, well, you know, I think there's. I think you're correct in saying that certainly until I would say the 1600s um you know religion and state was largely a uh, a situation of synonymous terms but with the french enlightenment uh which was which you know you know the central figures in the french enlightenment were actually uh atheistic uh they didn't believe in a, uh, a supernatural uh, intelligent being that controls the world they they believed in a more materialistic um Uh, Scenario. In other words, there wasn't a dualist view of the universe. There wasn't two realities, one sort of an afterlife and one an earthly one. They said, no, it's just an earthly one. And that, uh, they they published volumes and volumes. Uh, They published uh, the most influential encyclopedia in in human history. Um, uh, And I think as a result of that, though, uh, with the likes of um, Rousseau, there was some pushback from people who said, well, wait, wait a minute. Okay, we, we'll make some room for scientific belief. We'll make some room for scientific discovery. Sure, maybe the, the church was wrong to uh, interfere with, um, you know, assertions about how the planets uh, orbit the sun and et cetera, but uh, that doesn't mean we have to get rid of God altogether. And so Rousseau, who was a very religious man, uh, and, and those who followed him uh, who formalized his his political beliefs in terms of a more thorough philosophy, like Kant in particular, uh, have I think given some pushback to the whole thing. So now we've got not a society that's um you know uh, as as uh, secular as say the French enlightenment theorists would like it to be, but rather one that um I would say increasingly in in especially in the last uh, 6 years has been uh, guided by faith. Um and I think that th- I think there is reason to concern uh have concern about that not simply because um you know uh, I I would prefer government to keep its It's a break with with religion, but, you know, that also is going to lead to religious persecution of religious people.
2: Uh, We certainly see a lot of evidence of that in the world today. Listen, we're going to take a quick little break here right now, and when we come back, I think we'll expand the conversation a little bit into other areas besides strictly religion and see how the ideas of, uh, let's say, non-rational, non-objective evidence are applied to politics. We'll be back right after this break
1: say corn and I say soybeans oh, that I get waited on corn soybeans oh. corn that I get waited on Joe will you stop interrupting now this is important uh, fellas you better make up your minds otherwise I can't guarantee to deliver your seed on time <laughs> Sam you can put me down for soybeans 75 bushels of corn Fred you're making a mistake Ben when Doris's lumbago starts acting up, it's a sure sign to plant corn. Yeah, well, when Emily gets her cranky spells, you better be out there planting soybeans. Well, Doris's lumbago's been right more times than Emily's cranky spell. Oh, I don't agree with it. Well, now you remember what happened back in 48. There's only one way to settle it. gotta approach this planting problem scientifically. Just how bad is Doris's lumbago? The worst she's ever had. I have to push her out of bed every morning to get her to feed the pigs. (laughs) How cranky's Emily been? Well, she's been yammering at me for two weeks now. Every day? No, it's been more like every other day. Afraid I'll have to go along with Doris's lumbago. Yeah, me too, Ben. Doris has ached up some of the best corn crops we've ever had in the valley. (laughs) Well, i got to admit, Emily ain't been real soybean cranky. You better put me down for corn, too.
2: That almost sounds like how a lot of people vote in the voting booth, doesn't it? (laughs) It certainly does. (laughs) Welcome back to the show. If you'd like to join the conversation, it's 519-661-3600. Some of the symptoms, you know, people make, quote, all sorts of decisions not based on, shall we say, evidence. Okay on rational evidence and on their feelings and on Doris's lumbago <laughs> or whatever right uh, isn't that create a great frustration for someone trying to you know push reason and say look at and, and especially in the scientific world it's almost it's almost hard to believe that here we are in this scientific world and 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 there is actually less understanding of science and of the principles that make things actually go, if you would you know right um is that a is that a trend because people are looking for it because it's being
3: taught in our schools? Uh, what's your observation? Uh, well, my observation is that when people um, limit their beliefs to ones that they can, uh, you know, for which there's actual physical evidence, mm-hmm. uh, they find that um, there are fewer outs. In other words, you can't cheat Mother Nature, and when the only thing you're looking at is Mother Nature, uh, as opposed to uh, uh, a supreme being who says, "Don't worry, magically food will appear. Uh, magically, you know, you'll have a house over your head. Everything will be okay. And even if you live, a, you know, a bad life, as long as you say you're sorry at the end, you'll live forever in, in bliss." We want to believe these things often, as a matter of, uh, you know, controlling stress. And so uh, it's 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 intoxicating, really, to. Um, to say, uh, you know, you, you don't have to worry. Everything's not as it seems. There's Well, if another... it's just to control stress, is it a bad thing then? No, uh, if that's no, all you're doing with it? I mean. No, no, not at all. Not as a personal matter. Yeah. I, I think, uh, at least in terms of a legal, if you're asking me from a legal perspective or from a governmental perspective, I think people should be free to, you know, do any number of uh, things based on whatever beliefs they want to have. If you're asking me morally or epistemologically or metaphysically, I think, yeah, there is a problem. Um, but that's more a question of guiding your own life than of government. Um, government, when, when beliefs about, uh, was it the lumbago? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when those things start getting into governance, uh, that's when you're, that's when you're in trouble. And I see that already. I think we've all seen it with, for example, the belief that, um, you know, there's this, this widely held, uh, belief that CO2 levels are, are correlated strongly with temperature. And that's because there is a correlation. Absolutely. And they, they, most, for the most part, people got that correlation out of that uh, movie by a former vice president, Al Gore's film, Inconvenient Truth. But the thing is that he's showing us a graph across hundreds of thousands of years, and it turns out that if you actually look at the uh, smaller period of time, so you can actually see how the lines line up, the reverse holds true. In other words, it's actually the case that temperature precedes uh, the CO2 levels with, w- with which they are correlated by about 800 years. And that the real mechanism is uh, inspired by the sun that causes heating of the oceans, which over a course of 800 years uh, leads to the release of more CO2, and the you know, which
2: right? makes sense because CO2 is the product of uh, of burning, actually, even in our bodies. Sure. When we burn our fuel and we exhale. We're <laughs> exhaling CO2. Yeah. Well, right? I won't claim
3: to to, uh, to be a scientist in uh, in in that, you know, with with specific uh, detailed uh, knowledge of that field. But I can say that. Uh, It's widely understood now. Anybody who's seen, for example, um, uh, the uh, great global warming swindle, for example, will see a wide number of scientists explaining the data in detail and explaining how, in fact, Al Gore's, you know, uh, interestingly, he never says when he shows this huge peak of CO2, he never says, and by the way, that means temperatures are going to spike up equally. You'll notice in the movie, he never graphs the temperature. And that's because he knows that the relationship is the reverse. That in fact, temperature causes the CO2, not CO2 causing the temperature. And so when we see that kind of dishonesty, and he said he's... Well, well, that movie's pardon the pun, full of it, because yeah. <laughs> I,
2: I picked on a number of inconsistencies in that movie. Sure, oh, right. and, and,
3: and, and when, when people knowingly, and I, I will, I'll give him the benefit of, of saying that he just didn't know, but I mean, he studied this stuff, he says, for many years, and how closely could he have looked at the data? I mean, my goodness, this is basic stuff, and he's got the relationship in the reverse on the very data he's talking about. Well, so when I see that kind of irrationality, I, you know, I don't that that's no longer a matter of science. At that point, it's a matter of politics. It's a matter of wishful thinking. It's a matter of, in, in fact, being dishonest in the sense that you're telling people falsehoods about nature, so that they'll support you in a political cause. And that well, is the that's same kind of thing that any irrationality will do.
2: Now, of course, that's, I'm looking at that from the point of view of the leadership. In this case, being Al Gore, what he wants followers to believe. It's, but from the followers' point of view, some of them become true quote believers. And even if, even when confronted with evidence opposite of, of what would be knowledge or understanding, and it's not always, I think, a matter of faith. It could be, as you said, consensus. Sure. A lot of people are uh, just go with the crowd, so to speak. And um, and uh, how, ma- how much reason is employed in that? For example, other issues that I would quickly identify that might be driven. By forces other than knowledge or understanding, let us say. Of course, environmentalism, as you just brought up, and you know, and I think in that case you see global warming as the as the symbol of their apocalypse. You know, right. like it's almost like that's a universal pattern to religious thinking. You have to have that apocalypse. Um, of course, there's terrorism and so many religious wars around the world. When you'd think, well, religions are supposed to be philosophies of peace and it seems to be they're more like philosophies of pieces. <laughs> and uh, I just thought of that on yeah, the spot. Sure. <laughs> and, of course, uh, we see things like uh, pending electoral reform in Ontario, which is more based on a rule of consensus. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we can come back to any of these in a moment. We see what I think is this almost a religion of, quote, universality, end quote, in health care and education. Um, for example, even this morning I just heard uh, John Tory uh, insist that, uh, yeah, he's going to privatize private clinics but not allow people to pay with cash or credit cards, which to me is like, wait a minute, that's no change at all. We're still on exactly. the public system. Right. Um, of course, there's the religion of socialism, from each according to his ability to each according to his need, which I understand is not the original phrase, but that's how it has been interpreted today. That's another thing about uh Beliefs of that nature, even they seldom bear any resemblance to the source and have evolved over the over sure, time sure. into what people want to believe there's faith-based um, education funding coming again, although we are have already had it to some degree with Roman Catholic uh, funding. And I got to tell you, even from my own point of view, having gone to both public and the Catholic school system, except for maybe three religion classes a week, <laughs> right. there wasn't much difference between the two. Sure. Um, not that I perceived in terms of right. what was being uh, expressed. And of course, we still have in Canada, believe it or not, censorship, uh, both through blasphemy laws and uh, and I suppose, which would be direct, right? Like... Uh, and there's even um, an indirect censorship like being denied or being labeled a denier, for example, if you don't believe in uh, oh, sure. uh, the religion of global warming. So I don't know which of those are the biggest issues to you or or which among them would uh, require some
3: further. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the, the main point that you sort of draw out of that and one thing I one thing I'd like to to mm-hmm. comment on. You know, it's sort of it's sort of a shorthand to call them faiths or religions because that's how we sort of think of them. You know, faith is is belief in the absence of physical evidence, and so when someone believes anything in the absence of physical evidence, um, that that does qualify as faith.
2: But well, I'll challenge you on that momentarily. Uh, sure, carry
3: on. <laughs> sure. But 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 that's not the only way in which to come up with a a decision. Uh, that is non-rational or irrational. The other way to do it is to say, well, look, I'm not going to think. I'm just going to either listen to what some so-called authority tells me because he's done the work and I don't want to do the work and I'm just going to rely on him, which is the way that most government works. And even the IPCC report, that was the technique they used. Look at, uh, you know, these these people are of, uh, they're all experts in their field. And then the other route is just plain old consensus. So in other words, well, look, The herd's going this way, there's strength in numbers, there's security in numbers. I haven't thought this through, so I'm just going to follow the crowd. How wrong can they be? And although you'll, I mean, it might work uh, from time to time, but the problem is it's a a process process that takes your mind out of the equation, your independent thought out of the equation. And as soon as you take independent thought out of the equation, um, you know, you may be marching off the edge of a cliff. Uh, whereas just simply looking at a map and <laughs> reading the reading the, the relief uh, marks on the map might tell you that, oh, well, that's the wrong way to march. So, um, you know, as I see it, you have the category of rational thought, which is logic applied to observable physical evidence. And then you have the other kinds of decision making, which are the non-rational or, and this isn't meant as an impolite term, but irrational forms, which uh, usually are uh, belief in the absence of evidence, which is faith, now, what, or what do you, belief based on consensus.
2: What do you think about the comment made in the very opening clip of the show where where, where the female speaker says uh, something to the effect that, uh, you know, many early beliefs and superstitions have some basis in, quote, truth. or so, And sometimes, sometimes we get a sense of something that's real before we actually, and, and maybe even discover that it is so. Before we actually knew, according to physical evidence. Um, to give you a personal example, sure. okay when I when I started studying uh, science and a bit of astronomy, I had no physical proof, for example, that planets revolved around other stars, okay? Yep. But I knew implicitly from just understanding what I had in front of me that that had to be the case. And now of course, my faith has proven to be... <laughs> and my yes. faith in that thing has proven to be an actuality is that something different from the kind of faith we no, about No I think or that, is that the same I thing I think that
3: qualifies keep in mind faith doesn't necessarily imply religion it no, doesn't understood. It, and it doesn't imply god either it, it just implies belief in the absence of physical evidence and so um I, but i think you know um you know i think i was <laughs> i was going to make another point that you, you got me off track it was such an interesting example but um i i think that um the fact that the fact that um, some beliefs end up being true does not mean that you should make decisions for your life on on the base. I mean, you can certainly ponder you know maybe there's life on another planet, maybe there's life on Saturn, maybe there's you know maybe I, there are UFOs maybe flying there around. are UFOs <laughs> flying around. Uh, maybe if I dig deep enough, I'll find ore in my ba- gold ore in my backyard. Um, those are all maybe's and possibilities that you know someone would call possibilities. But rational conduct, rational decision-making means that you treat everything as false, all propositions as false, until proven to be true with physical evidence uh, analyzed with a strictly logical process of thought. Is that strictly rational or would that be more called scientific? I don't think there's necessarily a different uh, difference there, although the scientific method implies certain procedures. Sure. But rational thought is certainly implied in scientific thought.
2: Well, after this next break, we'll come back, and, and I'll get into some of the specific definitions. I actually went to uh, a dictionary and uh, an encyclopedia dealing with issues uh, or definitions of faith and reason and consensus, and we'll discuss where we might agree and disagree on those issues, sure. and we'll be back right after this continuing break.
1: I want to order my seed. Uh, Mr. Douglas, I was just taking Fred's and Ben's order for seed. Now, how much corn can I put
0: you down for? Corn? I'm planting wheat. Wheat! Wheat. (laughs) Yes? Your wife got any wheat bumps? What are uh, wheat bumps?
1: Oh, they're little knobs some folks get on their heads this time of year. It's a good sign for planting wheat. Well, her bumps wouldn't really count anyway. She's a city girl. She might be bumping onions for (laughs) all.
0: My wife is not bumping anything.
1: Uh, Joe, Mr. Douglas doesn't even know what you're talking about.
0: No, no, I'm, I'm sorry I don't... Now, about my seed.
1: Mr. Douglas, take the advice of a man that's been farming 40 years. Don't fly in the face of and lumbago.
0: <laughs> Your wife has lumbago? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Don't knock it, it's money in the bank. <laughs>
1: Mr. Douglas... You see, the kind of weather that brings on Doris's lumbago seems to be the best for growing corn. Oh. Emily gets cranky spells. For corn? Soybeans. Ain't met anybody with swollen ankles, have you? No. Well, carrots ain't a very good crop around here anyway.
0: Gentlemen, I know you're all successful farmers, but there are better scientific methods of farming than... Basing your crops on, on aches and pains. What do you base yours on? The Department of Agriculture. Who? Huh? The United States Department of Agriculture. Didn't know they had one. Of course, in Washington.
1: They tell you what to plant, huh? No, no, they don't do that. What do they plant? Oh, they're not planting anything. Ain't got any faith in their own judgment, huh? <laughs>
0: gentlemen, since the day the Department of Agriculture was founded, the farmer has access to the finest scientific brains in America. He's no longer alone in his fields. He knows that back there in Washington there's an army of agriculturists, agronomists, chemists, bacteriologists, meteorologists, peering into microscopes, heating up test tubes, you know, uh, releasing balloons, culling information, gathering data, sorting, probing, shifting, with but one thought in mind, what crops are good for America? (laughs) Now, microscopes are dark, test tubes are cooled off and the balloons are all recovered, and the answer is wheat. (laughs) Gentlemen, I am planting wheat. That sure convinces me.
1: Me too. I think I'll double my order of corn.
2: <laughs> oh, it's so true! It's just so <laughs> true. You, you know, it's really funny because so often when you look at um, books and publications about motivation, and they tell you reason is really not the motivating force. One of the things too that that comes out even in in those clips and what we've been discussing is, I think a confusion of the word faith with confidence and trust, and hope. And I often Absolutely. when I hear people use the word faith, those are the three things they really mean, and they seem to not be aware that faith is a means of acquiring knowledge.
3: Absolutely. And yeah. and,
2: and this is what really stood out uh, in my dictionary definitions, which I thought we should take the time to go over and see exactly what dictionaries uh, say about this. By the way, if you'd like to join in on the conversation, it's 519-661-3600. Now, here's my uh, definition of faith from one of the dictionaries I looked at. Uh, I looked at a couple, actually, so I'm not going to worry about the source. But there are, of course, more than a single definition to each of these. And some of them are applicable within one context, and others are applicable in another. For example, faith confidence in or dependence on a person, statement, or thing as trustworthy. Now, there again, that's an example of trust. I have faith in you that you would show up for the show today. Sure, and I think that is trust. And, and of course, there's nothing irrational about that kind of faith. No. Now, the second one is belief without need of certain proof. Now, that's a little bit like what I was talking about earlier. I didn't have certain proof that there were planets around other stars, right? Right. But I kind of believed it, right? <laughs> right? And now uh, now we know that that is true. I don't have to believe it anymore. I now can know it, which is maybe a little different. Um, of course, there's belief in God or in the scriptures or other religious writings, a system of religious belief or anything given adherence or credence. Now, I just want to contrast that. There is a. I looked up in my Universal World Reference Encyclopedia, which goes a little more into depth than just a dictionary, and I found this very interesting because uh, it maybe helps us clear up some of the issues. And it says that faith is that assent or credence which we give to the declaration or promise of another on the authority of the person who makes it. The greater part of our knowledge, says, says the uh, encyclopedia, is derived from the information of others and, dependent, and depends upon the credence which we give to their testimony. Hence, to believe and to know are sometimes used indiscriminately faith is the means by which we obtain a knowledge of things which do not come under our own observation things not seen and in this way faith is distinguished from sight in other words the, the direct, direct you know, observation. F- first-hand observation yeah. faith is also distinguished from reason insofar as it deals with matters that we cannot comprehend by our reason now that, that's a challenging statement is there such a matter but The term faith is used in theology for the ascent of the mind to the truth of what has been revealed in the Holy Scriptures. To have faith in a person is defined as accepting that person for for what he claims to be and to stand for and act accordingly. Now, those are some of the issues of faith. Now, a little bit... Different is the term superstition, okay? And that's defined as, uh, one, a belief founded on irrational feelings, especially based on fear, which is an interesting thing, and marked by a trust in charms, omens, the supernatural, etc. Also, any writer practiced inspired by such belief or any unreasonable belief. Now, it's interesting. I have actually heard religious people arguing about... Superstition invading the sphere of religion, which they do, which they see as separate things. Right? Um, is there? Would you agree that uh, is super, Are superstitions and religions equivalent, or are they
3: two different things? Or you know? Well, I, I think when a, I think when a religious person says that superstition is invading their religion, I think what it means is that another religion is invading their religion. In other words, uh, beliefs that are equally based on faith rather than on uh, r- you know rational observation. Are <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, excuse me. They're trying to um, make their way into that that religion, and the person who is more of a purist about the religion says, "Hey, look, you know, we don't tap our shoes three times with a bat before, uh, you know, knocking a ball. Know, why are you introducing that into our religion? That's superstition." I, I agree. That's
2: one 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 uh, application of it. But I have read, and I, I actually I'm actually a fan of a couple of religious writers, even though I don't share their religion per se. Sure. but their view of religion is and of faith is not like that. They actually have a very reasonable view of what their definition of God is. Everyone has a different definition of God, of course. Mm. Um, So that, uh, for example, one of my favorite writers, he believes that God is essentially, if you're searching for God, you're searching for truth. And of course, if if God is, quote, real, whatever concept of God you have has to apply to reality, thus placing reality as the arbiter. Uh, I don't even know if that's acceptable in some religions or some views of faith, Um, but that's certainly one. Now, of course, that's not the only way by uh, means by which people arrive at decisions and, and, uh, you know, conclusions. Uh, We were looking at a few of the others. Consensus, of course, is another one. Right. And consensus seems pretty straightforward. A collective opinion, according to the dictionary, general agreement which is a little different from consent, which I checked out, and that's to give assent, agree, or acquiesce, and it's more of a voluntary yielding. Now, in, uh, in contrast, of course, reason, okay, now this is, would be, to most people, the opposite of faith, is uh, a motive or cause for an action, belief, or thought, an explanation for or defense of an action, belief, etc., like a justification, right. the faculty of thinking logically, good judgment, common sense, a normal state of mind um
3: so would you agree with that definition to begin with well I, there's a few things i you know you asked at one point just backing up a little mm-hmm. bit you know is there anything wrong with trust well you know uh it can lead to problems it, it's not necessarily rational uh, to trust everything i mean you for example don't trust uh, that um you know i know about uh, planting uh, corn just because i have lots of letters after my name uh, people might say, well, Paul McIver knows he's a smart guy. He's got, uh, you know, a bachelor of this and a master's of that and a law degree. And, well, we should trust him. He's a person, he's an authority we should rely on. Well, A lot no, of
2: people think that oh, way. Oh, yes.
3: And appeal to authority is, the you know, one of the main ways that people stop others from th- using their rational faculty. Don't think, just trust the letters after my name. Um, and so that's the one thing. That kind of trust, I would say, is not good. It's not rational. But trust that, for example, um, you know, that you're... Uh, $10 bill will be accepted as payment at the corner store based on experience, and I don't see any problem with that. Um, the other thing is that uh, there are these definitions, whether it was faith or consensus, that said a way of obtaining knowledge. And I, I don't think that's necessarily accurate. I, I would say, at least as a person who uh, doesn't use faith and consensus as a means of making decisions, I would say that knowledge is that which is the result of logical uh, thought about that for which there's actual physical evidence, but that belief is broader than that. So all all knowledge is belief, but not all belief is knowledge. And so if you have come to a, a belief, not based on any evidence, but based on faith or consensus or appeal to authority, uh, that is belief, but it's not knowledge. And, and to use the word knowledge in that context, I think, is technically incorrect, although it's, as you said, in one of these definitions, frequently used interchangeably. I, I would say that it's dangerous to use it interchangeably. Uh, and again, because of this importance of doing things like maintaining a separation of, I would say, broadly speaking, irrational forms of thought, irrational forms of decision-making, uh, and, and the function of the government. As soon as we start considering beliefs that aren't based on reason to be knowledge, then government can start going around saying, well, it doesn't matter, we're basing our decisions on knowledge, but don't, and, don't and we, clearly they're not.
2: Don't we run into a problem there when you're talking about government, because government by necessity in a democracy operates on some level of consensus. And if you want to get elected by a bunch of people that, say, believe that the earth is flat, right, and you go around telling them that the earth is round, and they don't want to know that, you're not going to get in, even though you might be on the side of reality and reason, and they're on the side of faith and irrationality. Um, is that part of the problem we're facing in politics today? For example... Uh, Why John Tory would promise faith-based funding is because he's dealing with an electorate that wants
3: it. I think that there is an overestimation of, you know, the number of people that make their decisions on the basis of faith or consensus or appeal to authority. I think there are a great number of people out there who are rational uh, in the sense that they only use reason if they cannot at all, you know, maintain it in a disciplined way. They try at all times to be uh, rational. And I think that um, they are the silent, if not a majority, there's certainly a significant minority that no one believes exists. But I think the popularity of books about atheism, for example, um, most of the time I would say that if you're a person who's, you know, who requires physical evidence to believe anything, you're a person who doesn't believe in a supreme being that's supernatural in, in nature. So uh, those atheistic books, the popularity of them, suggests to me that there's a large population of people who aren't particularly big on making decisions based on faith, who aren't interested in religion or God, and who want a government that sticks to the business of, you know, governing earth in accordance with, with uh, you know, the, the facts of nature, rather than in accordance with someone's asserted belief founded on, you know, faith or consensus or uh, unsubstantiated appeals to authority. Now, I recall i should I should just yeah. add you know this religion thing it's it's rounding up to be probably the biggest issue the religious schools issue in Ontario is probably the biggest issue facing the voter in October. I think this is not just a small mistake but it could be a horrendous mistake if um John Tory were to be elected, I think we would find uh, a great amount of religious indoctrination resulting from uh, the fact that he's suddenly going to put, be putting taxpayer dollars into religious schools, uh, and at the same time that he'll be doing that, he'll be afraid of discriminating against any one religion. So we could actually be financing schools that teach some pretty anti-social stuff, including some of the schools we see operating uh, in, in in Europe and and uh, the Middle East. So I I don't uh, I think that's a horrific uh, suggestion to to fund. Schools, especially religious schools with taxes. But I don't take the opposite opposite opinion, which is that, well, the solution to that is for the government just to run all the schools and to make none of them religious. No, the, the solution is to let parents put their own money into the school they want to put them into. And at least that way, people who um, want to teach their children to live in accordance with, you know, uh, the facts of reality, as as dictated by science and and rationality, those people won't have to pay for a system that's uh, teaching irrationality, or that's teaching religion, or that's teaching, you know, tolerance of of irrationality, that kind of thing. I I really think the solution here is to take education out of the out of the uh, tax realm and put uh, the power back in parents' hands. But sorry, I got a little off there. No, but that's, I,
2: that's 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 uh, that's on her. But even there, even if you put it back in the parents' hands and say, say most of them are religious, you're still going to get that religious schooling. But out of the purview of government, I all, I've i heard some people comment that
3: maybe Tory's coming in through the back door because these this funding doesn't come without strings attached. Of course, and that's that's the other thing. I mean, uh, he's not going to be... I mean, imagine the situation. We have a video online on the Freedom Party website. Yeah, I know it's... Uh, yeah, number 13. Creating a few waves yeah, it's, on, it's, on YouTube, right? Well, we yeah. were pretty blunt in it. And, um, you know, the fact of the matter is... John Tory is going to have to deal with if he were if he were successful. And frankly, I think his his campaign's going down the chute. I don't think he has any chance in hell of, excuse my language, of of, um, of forming a government this time round. But um, were he successful and were this policy put in place, consider what would happen the first day he extended funding taxpayer money to a school that. It, it was later discovered, you know, through Information Act uh, requests or through other investigation. if The press discovered that in that school, they were teaching that, you know, gays are evil or that abortion uh, is so evil that if a person has one, they should be, you know, stoned or, or murdered. or that. If, if, that, if word got out that a school was teaching that kind of stuff, John Tory would immediately be hauled up on the carpet and they'd say, hey, you're funding this stuff. And at that point, you know what would happen. There would be, you know, probably a royal commission and a, uh, all kinds of backpedaling, and then there would be strict new regulations that tell religious schools that, guess what, now all, everything, you have to, everything you teach has to get government approval, and that's going to mean largely a watering down or even an elimination of many key religious beliefs uh, yeah, but wouldn't, various wouldn't, religions.
2: Wouldn't some people regard that as good, as a good thing to do? Isn't that a way to get back at the religions to get them all more? I don't believe uh, just just as there's a separation.
3: Well, just as there's a separation between church and state, that goes two ways. the The role of government is not to force people uh, not to have faith. It's not to force people not to base their decisions on consensus. It's not to force people not to rely on authority. If you want to make your decisions on the basis of faith or consensus, or are all personal matters. Those are personal matters, and the state has no right. To tell you, no, you must be rational. No, you must not tell people that faith is a way of obtaining, uh, you know, uh, knowledge or belief. You must—that's not the role of government. People have a right to be as faith-based or as consensus-based or just as irrational as they want to be, as long as they're not violating anyone else's life, liberty, or property.
2: You know, when I hear the term faith-based funding, just as it is. It's almost a bit contradictory, because if one defines faith as belief without certain need of proof of any sort, um... What is being taught in terms of education, if you don't need any any reference to reality what can you can teach anything you can teach you know that the sky is polka dotted or something like that and get government money for that, or it doesn't have to be a religious faith as such I don't know if that's a if that's actually would be in the in any sort I, of legislation it could be a uh, faith based on something completely non religious wouldn't it isn't it odd though that they didn't say anything about uh, science schools or re- re- schools based on reason. It's just, they just pick I, I, out yeah. the
3: faith. It's astonishing to me, uh, and, and it's absolutely revolting to me, actually, that the one type of school that John Tory would not <laughs> extend funding to are those that teach that rationality is the way to obtain knowledge, and only rationality is. He's not saying he's going to fund... Um, uh, secular private schools. He's saying he will not do so, and so you know. I, by the way, you know, by bringing schools under the umbrella of public funding, you know, the other the other possibility here is you know you were talking about how uh, this may backfire, and in fact, religious schools will cease to be religious because of government regulation. That they'll you know they'll gain power through the the power of the purse. This could happen to the Catholic school board too. And if you look at a lot of uh, what's going on in the newspapers right now, there are a lot of people saying. No, those Catholics have it special. Why do they have it so special? Nobody should have funding for religious education. This may just be a revisitation of the old progressive conservative party policy of saying, you know what, no funding for Catholic schools um and that everybody has to be taught under a public system so you know for those catholics in particular who think this is going to be a good policy whoa i think that that's the chief um chief religion that's at risk here and and you know not that i'm uh, defending funding of religious schools i'm not i think they have to be personally funded funded by the parent and that the money we currently take out of parents hands through property tax and stuff should no longer be taken out of their hands
2: now that brings up another issue, though. You know, yeah. I know, I know a lot of people who might not even be, quote, religious or faith-based, but often send make arrangements to send their kids to, say, the Catholic school instead of to the, um, quote, the broader public school system, right. because whether they believe in it or not, they find that their kids come out of the school with a, uh, shall we say, a better set of standards, of, well, of moral I, I th- standards. So there's another dimension to Perhaps not faith, but the religious belief.
3: I, I think degree. the reality, I mean, I do that. My, my children yeah. attend a uh, taxpayer-funded Catholic school. Uh, I'm not Catholic. I was born Catholic, but right now I, I have no belief in anything other than that which... Uh, you know, I can see, hear, taste, smell, and make, make sense out of right. my own logical mind. Uh, but hopefully obviously it's logical. We, so, but, but, but but I think what's happened in the public system is that by trying to accommodate everybody, all of these various uh, moral codes that are implicit in the various religions, they have effectively said... Or non-religions. Right, or non-religions. What they've effectively said is that we are going to say that everything's acceptable. We will not say anything's lesser than anything else. Everything's equally good. In other words, they're eliminating moral judgment from the curriculum. Which is complete moral equivalence. A complete moral subjectivism. So now, anybody who cannot afford to send their child to a privately funded school uh, has a choice. You either go to the moral relativist school, which is the public school, or you go to a school that at least believes that an absolute code of morality is possible and legitimate, and that would be the separate separate school system. Now, I don't found my own absolute code of morality on religion. I found it on science. But I do believe that there's an absolute right and an absolute wrong, and that it's easily observable in the world uh, based on what we know about the nature of the needs of a human being. A human being uh, needs to think in order to live. If he sits on a beach and prays for food, it won't come. He has to go look, uh, hunt, get the, get the food through his own efforts, his own rational efforts. If he makes mistakes, he may err, he may err and if he, if he errs, uh, uh, he may not eat and he may die. So survival, human survival dictates that you have to have a rational um, you know, way of, of, of thinking. And um, to my mind, that dictates a set of conditions. That is, that it's, it's right to live, that it's right to pursue your own life and happiness, and that the way you percie- pursue that happiness is through rational conduct because praying for food won't work. Mm-hmm. And so the only way to be fed and to be happy is to, to apply a rational faculty. And that tells me that nature demands itself uh, a, a, um, a specifies for man because of man's nature a particular moral code, and that if you violate that moral code, if you say it doesn't matter whether I think or whether I hunt, if I just sit here on the beach, food will magically arrive. Now, nature you're... will punish you; you will die.
2: No, that's it's an interesting. You're uh, using the word morality in a way I don't usually hear other people use it. I I almost hear, and I and I was up at um, Upper. Upper Canada College, is that the name of it in Toronto? I I was up there giving several talks to them at one time, and one of them was about, um, actually, we're talking about foreign aid and and morality and helping others. And it's amazing how the kids are, their their, their idea of morality doesn't extend beyond what you do for others. It's all about altruism. It's uh, the idea of what you just expressed, that you have that, mo- that a moral code is about surviving in this earth, that you would need one even if you were a man alone on an island, so and, to speak. And even if
3: you believed in a supernatural being, you'd still find yourself having to get off your bum, uh, find ways to catch uh, catch or, or harvest food. Sure. But there's no getting away from the fact that you need to act rationally to survive, even if you pepper up your thoughts now, with, with, with thoughts or beliefs... Uh, that are based on faith or consensus, et cetera.
2: Now, and that's why so many philosophers equate rationality with with morality, basically, that in order to be moral, that is rationality. To the extent that someone's irrational, that's immorality because you're acting irrationally. I guess we, uh, of course, assuming that you're capable in other ways. We're not talking about people. Yeah,
3: I mean, in particular, I think uh, author philosopher Ayn Rand, you know, equated rational conduct with virtuous conduct. Uh, she equated, um, you know, the good was that which allowed you to live and the evil was that which caused you to die or suffer. So, um, and I think that is is actually the code that underlies uh, a lot of commandments. I mean, if you think about commandments, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, those conclusions although based on faith, um, are, are similar to the ones that a rational person living this life on this earth would have come to anyway. And I think that, you know, I tend to wonder whether those who crafted our religions were actually strict, uh, strictly rational scientific types who thought that, you know what, not everybody has the brains I do or not everybody's willing to think. I need to boil this down to a few simple rules so that we can all just live together and out comes dogma.
2: It, you know, we're, we're almost running out of time here, so it's kind of kind of difficult to get into this right now, but you just hit upon a, a point I would have... Maybe I should have started the show with this. But, you know, we, we do live in this supposedly Judeo-Christian society, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, based upon some of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods, things that I agree with, yeah. okay? They're very rational.
3: Yet our governments
2: do exactly that. Oh, yes. You know, they rob Peter to pay Paul. They have, uh, you know. They- and they do
3: it precisely because they're saying that who, are, who am I to judge? That there's no thing, nothing right, nothing wrong. It's all based on perspective and subjective situations. Mm-hmm. And they're basically saying, I'm not necessarily wrong. You can't judge me to be evil. It's different. I'm wearing a crown on my head, and you're not.
2: You know, it's almost too as if uh, the government's saying, thou shalt steal as long as you're doing good for other people, (laughs) which is is what actually we had a clip last week by uh, Walter Williams that illustrated that very fact. Right. Paul, I can't believe it. Our time is running right wow. out. We're already out of time. I haven't even got to half of the subjects. We'll have to have you back again sometime in the near future. Well, it's been a pleasure. Um, and, of course, there's an election coming up, so I'm sure we'll be hearing from you. And, uh, again, I guess that's it for today, folks. We're going to be wrapping her up. It's today the 13th? Um, hey, take it easy, Ira. We're not in that big a hurry. <laughs> okay. We'll see you next week, folks. Until then. Be right, think right, stay right, do right, and act
3: right. And vote right. Color it black and white.
2: Under
1: the bed clothes, everything will be all right. Sam? I'm bringing back the wheat. Oh, now look here, Fred. I decided against soybean, Whoa. Sam.
0: You thought I was going to plant corn? No.
1: Nope. Potatoes. Potatoes? Just heard a bulletin on radio about the Department of Agriculture.
0: Ah, so you decided to use the scientific approach, huh? Instead of that silly superstition of the cranky spells and the lumbago and the bumps. What did the bulletin say? Secretary of Agriculture's got a cold.
1: (laughs) Cold? Yes, sir, and it's gonna be a big year for potatoes.